Welcome to episode 148 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and it is really good to be with you. Thank you for sharing this time with me. This episode touches on many of the most common challenges that I hear from my introverted coaching clients, whether they be entrepreneurs or leaders within their companies. For instance, how do we honor our energy when in larger groups while still projecting a presence that people notice? How do we translate the inner confidence that we often feel about our ideas into outer confidence? And how do we navigate a behavior or a personality trait that can show up in a healthy way one minute and not so healthy the next? Because there's a lot to cover, we're going to get right to the conversation with my guest, Lolly Daskal. After the interview, I'm going to offer a suggested exercise that elaborates on one of the concepts that came up in our discussion, so I invite you to stick around for that. Lolly Daskal is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise spans 14 countries, six languages, and hundreds of companies. As founder and CEO of Lead From Within, her proprietary leadership program is engineered to be a catalyst for leaders who want to enhance performance and make a meaningful difference in their companies, their lives, and the world. Of her many awards and accolades, Lolly was designated a Top 50 Leadership and Management Expert by Inc. Magazine. Huffington Post honored Lolly with the title, The Most Inspiring Woman in the World. Her writing has appeared in um, Harvard Business Review, Inc.com, Fast Company in the Ask the Expert column, Huffington Post, Psychology Today, and others. Her latest book is The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. Hi, Lolly. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am delighted to be chatting with you today. What an honor it is to be here, Beth. I've been looking forward to this. Awesome. Me too. Um, what is making you smile today? So if I was to be very honest, I was really looking forward to having this conversation um, for many, many reasons. But I, um, this is a little secret. Most people would not believe this, but I'm an introvert. And so mm. I resonate with your message a lot. So I was looking forward to deep diving into a conversation with what I resonate with. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's fun to spend time in that. Oh, that groove where you don't always get to spend a lot of time in. <laughs> you know, it's it's not the the dinner table conversation, is it? <laughs> I don't wear it as a poster. I the interesting thing is, um, I was at a dinner party a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, I'm an introvert, and everybody said what? Mm -hmm. And then after I was driving home with someone, then they said. Stop telling people you're an introvert. Oh. Allow people to experience you for who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't label yourself. Mm -hmm. And I thought such great advice. Yeah. Yeah, that's wise. Yeah, is and and my my response to that is also like you know, if you're telling me that because you don't want me to label, that's one thing. But some people will say like, don't say you're an introvert because oh, you don't want people to know that, or it might not be perceived as a good thing. And that's where I I sort of get my hackles up. <laughs> I think being yeah. an introvert is not a bad thing, but um, as we will discuss right. today, 
there is a balance between who you need to be, how you need to be. And so I'm sure we'll have a great conversation about this. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to ask a little bit more about that, where you fall on that introvert extrovert spectrum, like how much of an introvert do you feel like you are? And how has the awareness of that energy in you influenced your your path? Great question. I've always been an introvert. And I rather spend my time reading a book and reflecting and doing thinking and doing anything else but being out up front and center. But my mm-hmm. business expects me to be an extrovert. It expects me yeah. to show up in a way that I'm not used to. And it's like a muscle almost. In the very beginning, it was very uncomfortable. Uh, and then what happened was I would do little baby steps and little baby steps. And, you know, the muscle got stronger and stronger. And I actually, this is a little confession. I do a little um, bargaining with myself. And I do this. I, I, this is something that I I do, but I'm not even conscious of it. So I'm of service to folks all day long. I have to be present. I have to be fully there. I have to show up. I have to speak. I have to, you know, I have to be an extrovert. I think I always say this to myself, and I, it's not I think, I know, now that I'm speaking out loud, I always say, later you can go home and you could be alone. Later mm. you could read your book. Later you could have your quiet time. And I look forward to that. And if I don't have that, I don't think I could be as great as I need to be the next day. So there are many disciplines that I do in the evening and in the morning to feed my introvertness. <laughs> so I Mm-hmm. extrovert that I need to be but I know that I need to be myself in order to be who I need to be and show up as an extrovert. Yeah, such a great point. Absolutely. And you're you're demonstrating that it's important for us to recognize what do we absolutely require in terms of how we recharge our batteries. It's not a luxury. It's not optional. It's it's what we absolutely need in order to show up in what is often a much more extroverted Um, situation or expectation. A good way to look at that, Beth, is not as a weakness, but as a discipline, Mm -hmm. meaning these are the things that I need to nurture myself, to nourish myself in order to be my best. So if I need alone time, I need alone time. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because I need to process. I need to reflect. And so once you can nurture yourself and nourish yourself, it's a great way of being loving towards yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have said it any better. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'd love to um, dive into a blog post that you wrote before we transition to talking about your your new book, The Leadership Gap, um, because this one jumped out at me because it comes up so often. Um, It was a post you wrote about leadership presence. And it's a question that I'm guessing comes up a lot for you with your clients. Otherwise, you wouldn't be writing about it. But introverts will ask and bring this dilemma. They'll say, I want to be seen as a leader, but I'm not the most vocal person in groups. And so how can I demonstrate my leadership capacity in a way that honors my natural preferences? Um, what have you found to and observed as being most effective? First of all, Beth, that's a great question. And I'm so happy that you're asking me that question. So thank you. Mm-hmm. About presence, you know, I can talk about presence for a long time, but to keep it short and to the point is... Presence doesn't mean that you have to be the loudest. It doesn't even mean you have to be the most talkative in the room. Mm -hmm. Presence in itself is this quiet knowing almost as though people need to know you're there. They need to know that they can ask you if they need to ask you something. They need to know that you're listening. They need to know that you're observing. 
an introverted person can become the most magnificent advisor, can become the most magnificent observer because they're not constantly talking. Mm. And in my book, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, I talk about a leadership archetype that I think is important to mention right here. There's one archetype that you could stand in your greatness and you could stand in your gap. And the the greatness part is being a navigator, Mm -hmm. is one that's quiet, the one that is able to steer people without overpowering people. It's the one that people can um, relate to. Mm -hmm. And the gap of that is the person that is this over, I would call them the extrovert almost, like one is the introvert, one is the extrovert. The extrovert is the person that is the fixer. It's constantly Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to fix your problems. And you know what? People see that as arrogant. So one of the things that's the most important thing to remember is you don't have to be the most vocal, but you want to be the most trusted. And that's the navigator. If we can get that down, it doesn't matter if you're the most quietest, just be the most trusted person in the room. Absolutely. Oh, I I love that. Because we often, you know, we equate being present with being heard. And what I hear you saying is it's almost like you presence is something you feel as much as you might hear and that trust and I extend that to people feel safe with you you know you are approachable you are open and they feel like you don't have an agenda and that you're really listening those are all things that I think introverts can be really strong at so I love that you brought that piece forward as being integral to how you show up as a leader you want to know something interesting the word trusted in Hebrew translated means being careless and I always thought like what mean yeah careless means that you can show up with someone and you don't have to look out over your shoulder you don't have to watch your you can be yourself with that person and it would be okay that that you can trust that person to know what you're all about and what your meaning is what your intentions are without them getting into you in trouble so I love that definition I always found it so profound to be able to trust someone is to be careless with them to be yourself with them and it still be okay that's awesome I love it I never heard that before thank you <laughs> That's that's awesome. And, and it's interesting that sort of is a nice lead into my next question, which gets to part of the heart of your book, The Leadership Gap, where you do talk, as you mentioned, you talk about archetypes. And sometimes what, you know, we live in these paradoxes, right? You know, where there's, where we know with every strength, there's a corresponding weakness. And you go into some detail about the duality of that in your book. And I think of the trust and careless, like, how do those things fit together? But they really do. Um And so you outlined seven archetypes and those gaps. Uh, Can you walk us through what archetypes you identified and what their gaps are? Absolutely. Again, you're asking me magnificent questions. Thank you, Beth. One of the things about archetypes, most people talk about archetypes, but they don't end up talking about the shadow part of that archetype. Mm, And mm -hmm. if you know the shadow part, if you know the gap, it's almost like having your inner coach. It's almost like having insight into yourself and so that's why this book I feel is so important and this model which is a rethink model and we'll talk about why I call it rethink um but the rethink stands for the first one is the R is the rebel the rebel is someone who is very passionate about a cause an idea a project a business 
And in order to make that happen, they have to be very confident. They have uh-huh. to be confident in order to be successful. But for every rebel that is feeling confident, there is a gap. And the gap is where they feel like an imposter who has self-doubt. And Beth, it sounds like this. Oh, I want to do that project, but am I the smartest one to do that? Oh, I want to do that mm-hmm. business if they only knew that I didn't go to the best schools and maybe I'm not qualified to run this business. It runs the gamut of all the things of these negative messages that we say to ourselves that we start to have self-doubt. And this gap can cost us in what we want to create in our lives. So we have to be very mindful of the gap and learn how to leverage it. The next one is of the rethink model is the explorer. I love the explorer. An explorer likes to go to uncharted territories. They like to find new lands and new ideas. But they use the characteristic to be different by using their intuition. Intuition is this magnificent concept where you let go of what you know in order to let something new come in. The explorer is magnificent in a leadership style if you use your intuition. But for every explorer who uses their intuition, there is a gap. And the gap is of an exploiter who manipulates. And you might be saying, oh my God, it's very, very harsh to say. (laughs) This is very important to understand. Intuition is letting go of control. It's letting go of holding the reins so tight. But when you let go, something inside you gets a little frightened. And Mm -hmm. it says, I need to be in control. I need to be in control. And if you have watched people wanting to be in control, wanting to be in power, the characteristic that always shows up is exploiting people and manipulating. Why? Because that's the only way they know how to get their power back and, and the only way they know how to get control. People don't realize that this gap exists and it's so important to realize this because this is not how people want to show up, but it it, it does exist and it ends up being something that people can become in times of stress and times of challenges. So we have to be mindful of that. The third archetype in the rethink model is the truth teller. I love the truth teller. Because the truth teller, you know, I've met many truth tellers and if you ever meet them, you'll recognize them immediately because for them, it's their duty to tell the truth. It's their duty to speak with candor. They need to always tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's not, they, they don't want to hurt you, but they, they're very strong about, I must speak the truth. But for every truth teller that does exist, there is a gap. And the gap is of someone who's a deceiver who creates suspicion. So you might be saying, how does that play out? How does, who, how does that work? Mm-hmm. And it works like this. If someone doesn't tell the truth, let's say someone asks you a question and you give half truths, what happens is, is that the person's picking up on that energy and they go, why is he deceiving me? Why is she not telling me the truth? And when you do that, you create suspicion. And that's not what you want to do. So you have to be very mindful to leverage this gap because otherwise you create an environment and you create a reputation that you don't really want. Mm -hmm. The next archetype in the rethink model is the hero. I love the hero. Why? Because all of us, every single one of us has a hero within ourselves. We have it. And we have to be courageous in order to find it, right? Mm -hmm. Being a hero is being courageous. 
but it's not the hero that you think it is, Beth. It's not the person that does extraordinary acts. I'm not asking anybody to jump into flames, into fires. <laughs> That's not the hero we're talking about. We're talking about a human being that shows up every single day in the face of all their fears. If they are fearful about something and they do it anyway, that is a courageous person. But for every hero, there is a gap. And the gap is of the bystander. The bystander, they see something and they do nothing. They hear something and they say nothing. Why? Because they're fearful. The bystander stands by because they're scared to act. Mm -hmm. How many times in our lives has this gap cost us in our success, in our relationships, and in our partnerships? Ask yourself, are you being the hero or are you being the bystander? Because one will lead you to greatness and one will lead you to the gap. The next archetype is the inventor. I love the inventor. Why? Because the inventor is someone who's magnificent at their craft. Whatever they do, whatever they're passionate about, they do with integrity. They do it with excellence. They do it with quality and high standard. But for that magnificent archetype, there is a gap. And that is the gap of the destroyer who is corrupt. And I know what you're saying, Beth. <laughs> That's very harsh. That's another dramatic one. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? This is what it sounds like. The destroyer who is corrupt says this. Oh, let's do it faster. Let's do it cheaper. Let's cut corners. Nobody will know. It doesn't have to be excellent. It could be second best. And we know this in business and we know this in leadership and we know this in history. When that happens, it comes across as corrupt. It doesn't come across. It ends up, you end up paying the price for it. If you end up doing it faster, cheaper and cutting corners, it comes out anyway because there are truth tellers out there that will call <laughs> on it. Right. But it ends up costing you in your business. I've seen it many, many times with the clients that I work with. If they don't produce integrity and excellence, it ends up costing them. The next archetype, as we mentioned earlier, I love this archetype because I feel that any single person that wants to do something great in the world that is high achieving individual suffers from this. And I suffer from this to myself. So this is another confession. Here I am, there's the archetype of the navigator. Mm -hmm. The one that we talked about is very good at steering people and guiding people and solving problems, but they do it in a way that people trust them. But for every navigator that's out there, there is a gap. And the gap is, which I'm guilty of, of sometimes being a fixer because I want to help people. And when you're a fixer, as we talked about earlier, you can come across as arrogant. You know, but and I'll tell you a little tell of how you can mind how to be the in navigator and the fixer. But just to finish up the archetypes, the last one, just know this is not about gender. This is about mm -hmm. character. It's about the night. The night is not fit in female or male. The night is about loyalty, loyalty to protect you, loyal to serve you, loyal to, you know, to make sure that you're okay. Anything you need, I am here to serve you. But for every night, there is a gap. And the gap is of the mercenary that is self-serving. And they're always saying, me, 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 me. What have you done for me lately? And as we all know, great leadership, is about us. How are we going to protect us? How are we going to be loyal together? How are we going to serve each other? It's not about me. This is the rethink model. And the reason it's called rethink is, is because most of us know what we know. Mm -hmm. 
And we tend to get stuck at a certain point. And if we don't learn to rethink, then it ends up costing us. So that is the rethink model. And as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, oh, I've been that at some point and that at another point. Is the idea that um, we have a dominant archetype or that we can move from one to the other depending on the, the situation or that we tend to embody one in particular and that's kind of who we are. So yes, no, yes, yes, no. So, <laughs> I know there were a lot of questions. There. <laughs> so all of them were great questions. So this is very interesting about this model. The model is this is situational. As Jung liked to say, because it's based on Jung's work, Jung said we're the sum of all our parts. So you could be a rebel in one moment and the next meeting you're a truth teller and the next conversation you have to be a hero and sometimes you have to display being the knight so it's very situational and this is very this is a big tell when we are feeling challenged when we are feeling frustrated when we are stressed out we tend to be all parts of the gaps so we have to be very mindful in what situation how we want to show up so if we're stressed out let's be very careful to say do we want to be the fixer or do we want to be the navigator Do we want to come across as being an exploiter or do we want to be the explorer? This is why this model is so magnificent because it gives you insight to who you are in all situations that you're in. Yeah, because Jung is all about integration, you know, the whole self. And what I appreciate about what you're sharing is that it's acknowledging that we have that the bright, shiny side and the shadow side. And in reality, we need both of them, but it's about having... Um, awareness and a healthy relationship and a curiosity about them so that we um, don't get in our own way, right. <laughs> essentially. Wasn't it Einstein that said, you can't have the light without the dark and the dark without the light? You need them mm. right, to identify yourself. Yeah. So it is, again, it's a sum of all our parts, like you said, exactly. Well, I, as I looked at these archetypes, and I, and I thought about, and maybe this is just selfishly my own experience, but I notice that a lot of introvert entrepreneurs, um, what I see manifest the most is the rebel and the imposter. And I feel like the way it shows up is sometimes opposite of what you might think. Like you would think the rebel, um, I'm putting on that brave face and yeah, I'm a badass out in the world and and I have internal self-doubt. But what I often experience, and I think this is the introversion, is I'm a rebel in my head. Like in my head, I'm a badass <laughs> and, you know, I can do anything. And, and I have these, you know, grand visions that take on a life of their own, but then when it comes time to show up in that way, I can pull back and the imposter will come out and, and kind of take over. So I I guess, number one, I'm curious, you know, do do you ever experience it both ways? Or do you have you seen people experience it both ways? And what are some insights that you could share about how to have a healthy relationship, particularly with that archetype of the rebel and the imposter? Again, your questions are magnificent. This is a great question because I think there's going to be a very insightful answer here that people can really learn something about themselves who suffer from this. The thing about the rebel who is confident and the imposter who has self-doubt, one is the language of the heart and one is the language of the mind. Mm -hmm. The language of the heart is confident. The language of the heart is, I can do anything. It's the language of passion. It's the language of meaning. It's the language of purpose. So when you're speaking about I'm the rebel, that's really your heart expressing the true meaning of who you are. The moment we start to self-doubt who we are is when the mind starts to have a voice. 
It's the mind that says, oh, passes judgment. Mm -hmm. It's the mind that is, you know, using analysis with everything. It's negative. This is a tell for people to know when anything is full with judgment, anything is negative, anything that keeps you playing small, that's the mind trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. That's the mind speaking very loud. And it's usually a little bit louder than the heart because the heart is a very soft voice. This, the, it has a very, um, the energy of it is more expansive, but it's it has a lower, loving, caring, compassionate voice. And it's the mind that speaks very loudly. So for those who are the rebels in their heart and in their mind, they feel like an imposter, the thing is, it's very important to know this difference. And once you know this difference, that it's the heart and the head, you know, combating each other, then I say, let's leverage it. And the first way to leverage that is, is to cultivate an awareness. And to the way to cultivate the awareness is that you don't have to know everything. It's the, the whole idea of not knowing who you need to be or how to show up should be one of not something that causes conflict within you, but should cause a curiosity, should cause like, wow, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that you could do something in the world, but you're not sure what should cause an excitement. The second thing I think is very important is for every single person who has this duality between being the rebel and being the imposter is part with being perfect. The moment you think you have to be perfect is the moment you sabotage yourself. And if you truly want to stand in greatness, know that perfect doesn't exist there. Mm -hmm. You know what exists in, we, what we learned earlier, you know what exists in greatness is excellence, is integrity. So take the idea of being perfect out of the equation and that will really help the rebel and the imposter. And the next one I think is so important is stop comparing yourself with others. Mm, yes. <laughs> there will always be Beth, someone who's smarter than me, somebody who's wiser than me, someone who knows more than me. I, I believe that and that's okay. I know what I know and I'm really good at what I know. And so if I could celebrate that and stop comparing myself, there's no voice for the imposter. And I think that's very important. And the last thing that I want to bring up is, this is um, a practice that I have all my clients do, is that I have them make a list of all the things that they've accomplished that day that really went well. And um, most of the time we spend making lists in our head about all the things that went wrong. But if we yeah. spend time, equal time, on figuring out all the things that we do right, it's almost like anchoring that in our mind. We do know things. We are very good at things. And I think it's very important to state this. I really believe that the confidence that you need doesn't come from affirmations and standing in front of mirror and saying, I'm the best, I'm the strongest, I'm the smartest. It comes from the competence that you have within you. So think about your skills, think about all the things that you're good at. And I always tell my clients, you know, there's a difference between confidence and competence. Mm. Confidence is believing who you are and competence is knowing who you are. So that is very important. Yeah, so many excellent points in there, lots to unpack. I wish we had more time. <laughs> 
um, one one thing I want to circle back just to ground um, is something you said towards the beginning of your response, which was about the imposter protecting you. Um, in your coaching work, Lolly, have you come across a framework called Voice Dialogue? No. What's Voice Dialogue? So Voice Dialogue was founded um, or developed in the '70s by a um, a Jungian psychologist and a Freudian psychologist who happened to be a married couple. And they brought together this idea that within us, we have primary selves and disowned selves. Yeah. And you, you might look at it as, you know, sort of that bright, shiny side that we present out to the world that is socially acceptable. And then we have that sort of shadow side that has been sort of pushed aside. And in voice dialogue, you know, there, it's a, a facilitated process where you actually literally like talk to each one of those. And so in a voice dialogue session, you might talk to the rebel and say, hey, rebel, you know, who are are you? What do you want for Lolly? Um, how long have you been hanging out? What do you want her to know that's most important? And then you would have the same conversation with the imposter. And that all sounds sort of sort of weird, but it, it's um, it's like coaching accelerated in my mind, and it's a it's a process I really love. But what often comes out when we talk to something that's like the imposter? When you get down to the bottom line and you get to that question of what do you want for Lolly, the imposter will say, "I want her to be safe." You know, I want to protect her. I want her to be okay. Um, I want to save her from failure. And so we we assign these sort of malicious motives, you know, uh, to those parts of ourselves. But in reality, if we really get down to it, it is about, you know, they want to keep us safe. And like you said, you know, if we can say, hey, imposter, um, I know you're just trying to protect me. And I'm okay. You know, I hear you. I see you. And and it's okay. You know, I, I can do this. And, and I know that you're there. And um, I respect that. <laughs> you know, I acknowledge it. And I can do this. And so it's a way of acknowledging, again, both the rebel and the imposter and not making the imposter wrong, but just saying, hey, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I get why you're here. I know your purpose. And I, and I want you to trust me. And by doing that, you're saying, I trust myself. It's interesting. I do this practice, but it's not, I don't call it what you call it. I actually learned this mm -hmm. process from somebody in Germany and um, I took his course for two and a half years. So it's the same process of what you talked about, but he called it something else. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are different versions of it that exist out there and uh, it has its roots in therapy, but it's made its way into coaching. And it strikes me that, you know, take all of the archetypes and the gaps and the, the shadow side that you outline all have that opportunity for somebody to explore it from that perspective and say, what does this have to say to me? What's the information in this? And that's one way we can start to have that integration that we talked about a few minutes ago. Wonderful. Yeah. So thanks for letting me share that. I, I just didn't want to lose that thought because um, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's another way. <laughs> so, uh, well, like I said, you know, there's so much to unpack here and I'm, I'm absolutely going to be um, sharing a link to your book. And congratulations on the publication of that. And uh, so people can find that in the episode show notes, as well as um, how to connect with you and all of the writing that you do in, in various publications. Um, so thank you so much for um, spending this time, you know, giving us that inside scoop on uh, the leadership gap. You're so welcome, Beth. What an honor it is to be here with you. This was a great conversation.
conversation. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. And and I want to finish it on a little bit of a lighter note, <laughs> now that we've talked about shadows and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this is a question that I ask all of my guests. And it's about, uh, and you'll probably want this, you know, soon after you have the, the rush of the initial book publication, but you've got a three-week vacation on Introvert Island coming your way. And you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? Oh, this is a great question because I know already because it's by my nightstand. So the three books that I would take is number one is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. It's a book that I read once a year. I reread it every year on my birthday because Viktor Frankl taught me something so profound. And he says that when you can no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And that to me was so profound when I first read it that it's something that I need a reminder every single year. So The Man's Search of Meaning is a book that I will always take with me, whatever introverted island I have to go to. (laughs) The second one is my favorite is Joseph Campbell, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And he taught me something most also very profound. He said, it's only when a man tames his own demons that he becomes the king of himself, not of the world. Mm. And so it's all about self, you know, preservation. It's all about learning about self. It's all, I think that's where the golden nuggets of our lives are. That's where meaning is. That's where purpose is. It's when we can confront ourselves. And last but not least, my favorite of all is Carl Gustav Jung. He wrote the most, um, any book that he's ever written, I would love to take them all. But one thing that he always said, and I, it's something that I've been saying my whole life, it says, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. So these three wonderful mentors and teachers that I've had my whole life, these are the books that I will take with me to any island, and um, I, just, I just love them. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. All And also um, informative for introverts in particular, because they all share that theme of, of, like you said, looking inside and finding that uh, inner inner wisdom and strength. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, what is the best way for people to connect with you and learn more and uh, about you and your book, The Leadership Gap? So if they want to find out about The Leadership Gap, you can go to theleadershipgapbook.com. And until May 16th, I'm giving away just for your audience a free gift. If they purchase a book, they get a $97 free assessment that will tell them which archetype they tend to lean in towards. Mm. And it will teach them the whole process of what we talked about today. Otherwise, please find me at lollydaskell.com, Twitter, LinkedIn. I do my own social media, so I'm out there being authentic, talking to those who talk to me. That's how I found Beth. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was through looking at what is the best that's out there. What do I resonate with? And it, Beth, I knocked on your door and I said, Beth, I would like to have a conversation with you because I really resonated with who you are and what you do. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it has been such a, a gift to be able to be connected to you over over these. It's been at least a year, I think, that we've been in each other's orbit. So, um, so thank you so much and thanks for reaching out. And I so appreciate uh, everything that you're doing. And I know that, you know, as as introverts pick up on your work, they're going to find that resonance because you are you are speaking our language. (laughs) So thank you. You're so welcome. I want to follow up this interview by sharing 
a little bit more about the voice dialogue technique that I mentioned, because I do think it's one of those ways that we can close a gap. And I love this technique so much. I adore using it with my clients whenever there's an opportunity. And I think it's a really powerful way to sift through some of the competing interests that we all have bouncing around in our heads. While the technique is meant to be done in person and with a trained facilitator, I found it helpful to do a journaling exercise that adapts the concept for personal and private use. I do want to say that what I'm offering here is only inspired by voice dialogue, and I'm not asserting that it represents or does full justice to the process. If you want to learn more about the full technique, I've included links to resources in the episode show notes. So here's the exercise. Think about any area of your life where you feel that pull, that gap, between two different parts of yourself. Usually it shows up sounding like an inner debate with yourself, where you say, on the one hand, this, but on the other hand, that. Or part of me wants this, but then another part of me wants that. Here's a really simple example. Part of me wants to stay home and have downtime, but another part of me wants to go to the conference and learn something new. Each part, the part that wants to stay home, the part that wants to go to the conference, might be equally strong. We will often say, I'm torn in those kinds of situations. If I were to name the part that wants to stay home, it might be the self-care nurturing part of me. It might be the introverted part. It might be the part of me that has social anxiety. Or, to be honest, it might just be the lazy part. (laughs) Conversely, the part that wants to go to the conference could be the motivated, driven part of me. It could be the student part who always wants to be learning. It could be the entrepreneur part that wants to build my business. Now, both of these parts, the part that stays home, the part that goes to the conference, can be true, even if they seem to be in conflict with one another. The next step, after you notice which parts are in conflict, is to do a bit of journaling from the perspective of each part. So I might write from the viewpoint of the part that I determine is feeling social anxiety and say, I feel really uncomfortable walking into a room full of strangers. I'm not sure it's worth it. What if the presentation is lame and I went out there and I put out that effort for nothing? I don't like the awkwardness that I always feel when I'm there. I wish I didn't have to go. Actually, I don't have to go. You can't make me do anything. That was me speaking as that voice, the part that wants to stay home. And the goal is to just let it speak and say whatever it wants to say. Don't try to fix it and don't make it wrong. Don't judge it. And then do the same for the other part. In this example, the part of you that wants to go to the conference. Knowing that both voices are telling you the truth, which one feels like it's going to serve your needs best in the moment? In this example, is it to stay home or is it to go to the conference? The goal is to honor and listen to the full range of your feelings so that when you make a choice, you're making it consciously and you understand your motivation for that choice. This small exercise can help you reflect more deeply on your thought processes and help you to make a decision that is less burdened by guilt or what you quote unquote should do. Once you make a choice, frame it as a choice 
with no judgment about it. That might sound like, I'm choosing to stay home so that I can avoid the social anxiety. That's just being honest. Or, I'm choosing to go to the conference so that I can learn something new. The point is to be intentional and to gradually, over time, increase your self-awareness. And it helps you to take control of your thoughts. I hope that this exercise makes sense. It's a it's kind of a complex thing to try to explain, but I've tried to um, hopefully make it simple enough that it's practical that you can give it a try. And I hope that you find it useful when you find yourself at those points of conflict where you say, part of me wants this and part of me wants that. And again, there's a link to resources on the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Thank you so much again for joining me for this episode. If you have questions or comments, I invite you to post them as comments on this post at theintrovertentrepreneur.com or share them on Facebook or Twitter. And feel free to email me directly at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. I also very much welcome your reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, I'm happy to share, as I always do, that it is available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and wherever fine books are sold. You know, that, that book is for you. And I've said that before, and I'll probably keep saying it. So I, you know, every time I get somebody that writes to me and says, you know, that it resonated with them, it it truly makes my day and it makes my heart happy. And it reminds me of why I put it together. It was part of my journey, but I really did it so that it could be part of your journey. And I hope you'll consider picking up a copy for yourself or for anyone that in your life that you think could use a little bit of that introvert perspective as they try to build their dream. Thank you so much to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and to my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes. It is truly an honor to have such wonderful people on board that help make this podcast happen. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.